Hi, everybody. Welcome into another edition, a brand new episode of the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast, episode 149. I hope everybody had a good year, 2023. Hope everybody had a good new year, good Christmas, good Hanukkah, whichever holiday you celebrate. Athletes, let's go. Hitters, the new year. Let's go. Got to get tidied up and ready to go for the new season. You might be starting in a couple months, a few weeks, who knows, right? Because some some teams in college baseball, college softball, they like to start in late January, Division Two, Division Three teams. So hitters, got to get going. All right, anyway, um, episode 149, let me bring in, you know, I'm, I was going to do the normal introduction for you, but I forgot it. I was going to listen back because I just forgot it, and I, I don't remember the cadence or anything. So I'm just going to introduce you now, Jake Epstein as the University of South Carolina softball hitting coach. What's up, big man? How you doing? You know, I was, I've was i been waiting for, for three months to do episode 149. We set a time to do it. I've been waiting here, and oh. you, you haven't shown up. Now here you are. You finally showed up by the grace of God. So here we go. What's going on with you? Hey, man. Uh, life's good. Life's good. Yeah, back in back in Denver for, for a month uh, until we hit the ground running uh, January uh, 3rd, so... You, know, you talked about hitters getting ready and staying ready. Um, it's really important, especially this time away. I, I, I made the made the comment to our hitters that hey, we worked really hard this fall on um, creating plans and approaches for each and every person. You know, don't take a don't take a full month off, right? We we we're gaining speed, we're gaining speed, and then that season comes around. So everybody else out there, make sure you're doing the same thing. You got to stay sharp because when that bell rings. You know, there's no uh, spring training. You know, we don't get we don't get 20 uh, scrimmages right before the season starts. Right, we have a few inter squads, and then it's time to roll. So, um, yeah, very important. Stay sharp. You know, um, when we first got this this job, and I, I was very excited for you for obvious reasons. But when you first got the gig, I, I, there were so many points and talking points that I wanted to bring up to you and, and ask you. And I did ask you uh, off mic, obviously, we've talked we've talked and, and uh, met up off mic and we've, we talked about some of these things. But I'm wondering, as someone who's been doing this for 25 years, is it close to 25? I don't want to age you. I'm sorry. Yeah, pretty close. 20, 20, pretty 22, close. 23. Um, and you come from a, a baseball and athletic family, for those who don't know. Jake's father, of course. Mike Epstein played at the major league level. Ted Williams, protege, et cetera, et cetera. We've talked about that in previous episodes. So go back and listen to the archives. But I, I'm wondering now how much your coaching approach has changed, if at all, when coaching hitters on the softball side at the collegiate level in the SEC at the at the, at the arguably the highest level of all of softball, really of all of college sports, the SEC. How your approach as a hitting coach has changed from that, maybe working with one on one. Um, in one-on-one lessons, working in groups, or even evaluating hitters with the Brewers. Yeah, I I think that if you change as uh, as a coach, then you're probably doing a disservice to the reason they hired you. So, um, you know, I've tried to remain who who I am as a as a person, as a as a leader, and and as a you know as a hitting coach. So. Um, now, obviously, we made adjustments. So when I got there, yes, I evaluated every hitter as I would if they were, um, you know, uh, uh, an international signee or a draft pick. So I put them kind of through uh, my assessment process to figure out how they move, to figure out, um, you know, areas where they could improve, to get a baseline on, 
you know, maybe how hard they hit the ball so that we can chart progress, um, average launch angles, things like that. And, you know, kind of formulated a plan for each and every person when we walked in. And then from there, we, we set goals on, on what we wanted to accomplish. Um, some of those goals were internal for me and some I shared with them of where I'd like to see them and where I'd like them to, to, to try to be by the end of the fall. Now, as we worked our way through the process of, of practices and scrimmages and fall games, you know, it was great. It was, I got to see kind of exactly what they would do in a stressful environment, which is something that's different than when you just give lessons. You know, sometimes I can give lessons to players and then maybe once or twice a year, I'll be able to actually see them play. You know, this is, this is every day and it's so fantastic to, to get to spend that much time with these players to figure out, you know, what makes them tick. Everybody's different, you know, personality wise, adrenaline wise, you know, how do you push people, how to, how to not push people that, that don't respond to that. So it's been, it's been quite enjoyable and and we got about halfway through the fall and it was like, okay, I need to adjust some things. Um, swing wise, maybe how we train, how we practice, um, what's going to be most important moving into the season. And we made that adjustment, which was really cool. And the players really, um, they, they just latched onto it. And then boom, our last like three weeks, two weeks of the fall, our offense really like ticked up. And so that was really fun for me to see that, you know, when everybody's kind of working together and we have the right information, the right plan, how we can make progress. Now, you know, I don't have unrealistic goals. We're playing in the most difficult conference in the country. And next year that conference becomes even better when, you know, number one, Oklahoma comes in and number whatever, three or four, Texas comes in. Um, But we have to, um, at our university, we have to prepare, you know, we have to, we have to take players and, and we have to make them better. And that's kind of our job. Uh, and from a defensive side, too, our staff is amazing on the defensive side. So um, player development, there's a lot of schools out there that that recruit really well and they get really good players and they have a good environment and they, they get to the College World Series every year. And we're one that has to develop players. You know, we're ones that we take them and, hey, you're coming in here as a good player. We need to make you great. We need to get every ounce of um, ability that you have and, and determination and, and, and get it going to show up, you know, every single week. So it's a very fun challenge and, um, it's been rewarding so far too. So uh, recruiting in the sec and playing in, in arguably the best conference in all of the country, I don't care what sport it is, but when you're recruiting in the sec, as you do helping out recruiting that whole process, what are you specifically looking for? in those hitters that you think would be able to succeed at the SEC level? Yeah, it's, it's been fun. I, I saw, you know, hundreds of hundreds of players this fall out on the road. So, um, you know, what do I look for? Um, well, you know, some of the stuff I look for is how do they carry themselves? Um, what kind of, what kind of swings do they take? Are they, are they, are they aggressive? Are they, are, are they apprehensive? Do they have, size and bat speed um do they get hits at the right time um meaning is our situations too big for some players um no matter how good you are if if that's showing up at you know 16 years old um you know it's still going to be there when they're 18 19 and 20 when stressful environments come or do they embrace those moments um 
big or small, I, big people, the strong people, fast people can get away with more, but it doesn't mean that they're better players. Um, it just means that they can they can miss a little bit more and still get away with it. Um, and then make, I look at mechanics. I do the same exact thing that I do um, when I when I was doing the professional baseball stuff because it, it, the same stuff plays. If I can get players in and recruit players that I don't have to change, that's not going to take months and months and months or a full season to change a mechanical flaw, then that is great for me because that's going to make it easier on me. It's going to make it easier on the player, um, putting them in that situation. So for myself, like I've been very successful in determining that just from my past experiences in Major League Baseball. So I use that same approach that, um, hey, I, I know exactly what I need to do to this player or I don't have to do anything mechanically it's going to be you know maybe timing and rhythm maybe it's going to be approach and plan maybe it's going to be um aggressiveness or you know zone awareness or knowing the game situations things like that there's so many factors that go in but i will tell you when mechanics are an issue at that age it's very concerning to me because it takes a lot longer to fix um, and it, of course it depends on the mechanical issue, you know, maybe. Well, I was going to ask too, what, what mechanical yeah. issues, what mechanics are you looking for in a high school player that you, you feel that player fits into our program, fits into the SEC, or that player has way too much that they have to work on myself as a coach, our coaching staff, we don't have that kind of time. We've got all of these players that we have to work with. We have to develop, as you mentioned, player development. So we just can't recruit this person. We can't yeah, sign this it, person. Maybe we can get them in the transfer portal one day when they fix things, go off to another school, almost use that as a feeder type program, right? But again, that's that's neither here nor there. But but what are you looking for mechanically wise in a high school recruit or even a junior college recruit? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it's the same stuff. If you go back and look at every one of our um, video analysis we've done over the past what three years jim yes sir um, it's all those key points <laughs> it's the first eight inches of the swing it's the sequencing of the first eight inches of of the hands and shoulders and the elbows and and the forearms it's it's that if there's a issue there then i can grade it out as is this going to be really tough or is it going to be can we get away with it you know maybe if somebody is an elite athlete with elite vision so i mean i i have um players on our team and and you know there's we have 20 hitters, and uh, mechanically speaking, maybe six to seven of them have really good upper body mechanics, and the rest of them are not perfect, okay? So there's not very many people that are perfect. It means that we've been working on things to clean them up, but when we have those issues, we have to know what pitches we're good at, you know? So players that have Certain issues are better high ball hitters. Players that have certain issues are better low ball hitters, and you have to put them in an environment that they'll be able to succeed with. Um, if I had my druthers, everyone would have you know that perfect uh, first eight to ten inches of the swing, and then we could just make small adjustments to get to different pitches from there. But that's just not the way it is. So um, yes, we're always we're always working at it, but it, it has to do with the sequencing of of the body and when the elbows, hands, and arms kick in. Um, it's just, it's difficult. It's difficult to fix. Um, when, especially when players get, get older, um, they have the ability to fix it. Like they can fix it off a tee really easily because they're elite athletes. Um, and then sometimes in front toss, it gets a little bit better, but then as soon as the game speeds up, right, we're, we're not going to, 
you know, we don't have enough time to get that muscle memory in there. So yeah. then we have to, we have to know what we're good at and know what pitches we can hit and then use our brain a little bit more, maybe to counteract the pitches we won't be able to get to. I know I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm interviewing you here. Um, that's not really what our formula has been over the previous 148 episodes <laughs> of the lab Epstein hitting podcast. You mentioned our, um, our analysis or video analysis. And, um, when we've talked about players, Bo Bichette comes to mind, Vlad Jr. We've done everybody at this, right? Right. Almost. I mean, all the stars pretty much, yeah. although we haven't done Cattell Marte. And I did, he's, I see, see us, us, his swing and his bat path and his hand path the other day on, on Instagram. And I, I, it was one of those things where I was like, damn it. I would love to do Cattell Marte and break down his swing. He's got a pretty swing, but nevertheless, go back in the archives on Apple, Google, Spotify, our YouTube page, the lab Epstein hitting podcast, YouTube page for those mechanical breakdowns and previous episodes, clips as well. And um, follow us on social media at Jim Tara and at Epstein Hitting. Yes, Jake is still active on social media, believe it or not, even though he has a very high-end position with the University of South Carolina. But again, I feel like I'm interviewing you here, and we'll get to our main topic in, in just a moment. I do want to ask, though, just off the cuff, it's got to be fun for you to fill out these reports on players and create these practice plans for these players, right? Don't coaches just love creating those type of things they kind of geek out on those for lack of a better term geek out on those type of type of type of things and those elements of coaching right practice yeah plans. i mean we have I, I do the hitting right so my yeah. practice my practice plan is is great you know i take the the time blocks that that i'm allowed each day and then i figure out the best way to do it and, and the fact that we get you know we have 20 hour weeks where we can work with with players you know essentially that's team practice we get we can we can work with them for 20 hours and and then we have eight-hour weeks, which is um, we we can't see them as much, right? And so we do more individual work with them, you know, one-on-one, -on -one. Um, and that's great too. You know, getting that individual time, or what I like to do is once I assess everybody, is you know, here's our three or four players that are kind of working on the same things, um, and I want to do the same drills with them and and work them, whether it's rhythm or mechanics or something, whatever it is, and then I can group them together into you know groups of say two or three that just makes it, it makes it really great. And it's, it's very, um, we maximize our time really well, even though it, it is limited compared to when I played and it was just the wild west. And we did whatever the heck we wanted to back then, you know, we would practice for, I mean, as much, <laughs> as much as we really wanted. Um, and, and you just can't do that anymore. So you, you do have to kind of figure out and be organized and know what you want to do and plan that out, you know, in the beginning of the week. And I think we do a good job with that. And, and then, you know, crash our, our, uh, you know, kind of our coordinator of, of, of everything, <laughs> right. you know, she puts together like practice plans, team defense, scrimmage, um, live at bats, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I find it amazing that they still have this hours limit and yet the NIL, the transfer portal, it's all just, it's the wild, wild west, right. As you said, right. Free right. for all, right. You guys, it, it's flipped. You guys used to practice and somewhat, I used to somewhat have that opportunity too, just to practice whenever you really want. Nobody's there. Yeah really watching you I, I guess it's, it's changed but you can practice for only a certain amount of time but this a million athletes can they can enter the transfer portal and they have all that nil stuff yeah make yeah. it make sense please somebody Just, yeah i mean the fact that what was the the latest i saw was uh the texas uh backup quarterback right arch manning makes yeah. uh made 2.1 million or something this yeah. year as the backup and I don't is it Purdy or whoever the you know one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL makes eight hundred and thirty six thousand dollars. Like there's a problem there. 
there is a problem there, and I, I do worry about, and we're not going to get into this, but I yeah. do worry about the future of college athletics and what the NIL, what the transfer portal, what that is all doing to college athletics, the purity of college athletics. I don't think it's going in the right direction, any sport at this point. Um, the only thing that they've gotten right has been expanding the college football playoff, but everything else, it's been completely wrong. I did not like the ruling of play of a free-for-all type NIL where players can just be paid all of this money. A backup quarterback paid $2.2 million. I, I don't like that ruling, but again, well, it just, that's my opinion. Jim Tara, both the opinion, not Jake Epstein. I can get into that some other time, maybe on another podcast. It just, it's, it's making the haves and have-nots yeah. disparity even bigger, right. unfortunately, is what it is. Well, also, too, I want to uh, pat myself on the back. I don't do that enough. No, you don't, Jim. You really should. It's good for yeah, your really, and it's good. Good for the confidence and self esteem. I'm in my fantasy football leagues um, championship week this week coming up. You know, one of my quarterbacks. I didn't. Pl- I didn't start him last week. I started Josh Allen. By the way, people from Buffalo. I think we have people. We have listeners from Buffalo. Um, they say Josh Allen really weird. It's like Josh. They say Josh Allen, and every so every time I I hear his name, I hear that I say that in my head. Like, oh, Josh Allen. <laughs> Because they, people from Buffalo say Josh Allen's name really weird. Like a I, New York Midwest combo accent. It, yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, I have him on my fantasy team too. Long story short, Brock Purdy is on my fantasy team. I had there people go. tell me that he's a um, what do they call that uh, quarterback? Uh, uh, system quarterback. Yeah. Right before the season started, and now he's going to be maybe the MVP or at least in the running. Um, so I just want to let everybody know that I was right again. And I hope everybody wishes me luck on my fantasy football. Good luck, Jim. Although this episode's coming out Jan- Monday, January 1st, so I'll find out Monday if I win or lose. So maybe I'll update everybody on social media when we promote this episode. Uh, by the way, um, I was going to say something else, too, about, uh, uh, oh, the equipment. Yes, the equipment at your SEC school, the University mm-hmm. of South Carolina. The, how have you utilized that type of uh, equipment that you've been given, right? I know the budget's obviously bigger playing in the SEC. Um, softball has gotten bigger. It's on TV now. You get TV money. I can't wait to watch um, when when you guys start play in February and March on ESPN and stream the games. I did that last year. It's a lot of fun. Um, softball games are just fun in general. I'm, I'm sorry. They were just yeah. really fun to watch last year. Um, and I'm looking forward to doing it again this year. Um, so softball has grown. So is the technology, the equipment. How, how have you utilized all of that? How has that been using that type of technology to help your hitters get better? Yeah, you know, we use we use a lot of video. Um, we chart as much as we possibly can. So we have, um, and we have a ton of machines, which is great. We have a lot of um, hack attack machines. We give them a plug because they do a really nice job. Um, we have the e-hack attack machine, which is programmable, which is great. We can put in different, um, speed pitches, different shape pitches, and it'll randomize different at bats if we want it to. So, um, we're definitely utilizing all of the 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 machine work that we have. Uh, we have hit tracks and video. We have uh, video out on the field. We have you know dart fish. So everything we do on the field is tracked as well from a team defense point of view, especially from a base running point of view. And then obviously all of the at bats that we have, you know, in the fall and then and then during the season too. So. Yeah, the technology is great. Um, it's expensive, all of that stuff, you know, and all the different scouting softwares that, that we're able to utilize. But um, it, it makes a real difference in, in, in our coaches being able to prepare 
you know, our players, our, our, our student athletes, you know, this, they can show up and, and know what they need to do and we can put them in an environment to, to make them better each day. So, um, yeah, you know, me, I, I, I use what works, what I've found over the past, you know, X amount of years that, that works really well. And I kind of disregard the stuff that I, I really think is fluff, um, or too much information because, um, there's a, there's a lot of information out there and players get carried away with it. And you have to be careful when filtering that information to the player when you're talking about not not mechanics, but more approach, pitch recognition, rhythm, timing. Sometimes you you give them too much and they freeze up, right? So um, it's it's all the same. You know, most of the SEC schools, we all kind of have the same stuff. And then it's up to the people to uh, – it's up to the different staffs to apply that in a certain way to their players, however, however they deem fit. So, um, I think we do a pretty good job of it, obviously, um, in managing our players, but the season's around the corner and you get more and more information and sometimes you want to pass it on to the player. And sometimes it's best to just let that player go out and be an athlete. So it'll be a fun little journey for us. Well, um, as I've said before, uh, I'm very happy that you're current position is working out it's a high-end position as you deserve one of the best hitting instructors if not the best in all of the country in all of north america the united states of america so the only reason i show up jim and and do this is because you you know what you make me feel good you just patted me on the back i did i did i do miss i've told you this off the air and i, I have to point it out for those watching on the youtube page i missed the picture right over your right shoulder i don't it's, remember it's, what it even was it was uh uh, oh, it was it was uh, was it the Pete Rose? It wasn't the. Pete it was. Rose? That was that's what it was. Wall. Or over here? Yeah, it's over your right shoulder. Oh yeah, that was the Pete, me as a kid with Pete Rose. <laughs> I missed that. I missed that picture. Really, it really added to the uh, nice background that you. Had. My kids liked that picture too because it was like me in these like short Adidas shorts when I was about seven years old and I was kind of yeah. chubby. Well, those those shorts are now back in style. They are been yep. to the gym lately i'm sure you've mm-hmm. seen it with college athletics they like those shorts nice and short up their yeah. thigh i kind of wear them too they're not bad they're comfortable they're comfortable let those quads let them breathe right oh and let the calves breathe too oh yes <laughs> yeah let the knees breathe right um episode 149 again i'm, I'm glad you're uh be able to do your i'm glad you're able to do this today and uh, i'm glad that you everything's working out i'm looking forward i hope to see you guys on tv Kind yeah. of springtime. Um, for those who emailed me, Jimbo Pot, you can still email us, by the way, too. I've got another podcast, Cross Functionality, which, by the way, our Cross Functionality listeners are listening to this right now because not only is this coming out on Monday on the Lab RSS feed and the Lab YouTube page, it's on the, as I call it, the CF page and the CF RSS feed. So we're doing a little cross marketing type. There you go. Here with the podcast. I'll be able to see you, Jim. We come down to Orlando. We play at UCF. So maybe you can make a drive over if you're I can make busy. that drive over to uh, Orlando. Get through yeah. I 4 traffic. Stan yeah. Stock and Steve knows what I'm talking about. He was one of the people, by the way, who asked me when we were coming back. I hit with him recently in uh, in Tampa. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Stan Stock or Steve. He told me I still got it, by the way. You do. I'd like to know. Yeah. I'd like to know you and I talked off air we talked about how I'm I'm into golf now I I for those who don't know I'm left-handed baseball swinger right-handed golf swinger my golf yeah you you should be a a left-handed golf swinger no because I I don't want to because I want people like yourself and Stan's Dr. Steve to tell me and fluff me up a little bit and say I still got it swinging a bat from the left side so I can't do that 
But Stance Dr. Steve did wonder when we were coming back. I got some emails from people, jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com. Hey, when you guys come, no questions, no hitting questions. You know, just they just take, 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 take all that. Yeah, no, I, I get a lot too. Uh, when are you guys coming back? That's what they asked us. Well, we're back now, at least for, for this episode, episode 149, and we will have more content going forward here in 2024. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And thank you for all the support. Again, jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com. We do appreciate you taking all this information in. Um, okay. Let's get into today's topic here. We'll discuss this for about 10 to 15 minutes, talking about quality at bats today. And I think this is a really, we were going to talk about this a few months ago, and we're finally getting a chance to discuss this now. And being that you were in a position where you want your hitters, softball level, SEC level, University of South Carolina, the Gamecocks, as it were, you want them to have those quality at bats. And I was watching, I thought of you actually the other day, because I, I, again, I was on Instagram and I saw some hitting videos, could tell Marte was one, and there was a video of Mike Trout and his swing when he was in high school. And you and I talked about this way back when, how the swing from when a player, baseball or softball, when they're in high school, fundamentally, mechanically, the way their body moves to when they move up levels, college, and then as it were with guys at the professional level, then their swing doesn't change all that much. So what does change? How do they get better? It's that they learn how to have those quality at bats. And I'm sure that's something that you teach now. Look, you look at some hitters and you say, I can't change too much. It's working for them fundamentally. The way their body moves, they can only do certain things or they can maybe do more. What's the separator now? What might separate us? And I'm thinking that you may be thinking it's those quality at bats and being able to teach players how to have such so then they can get on base and obviously score those runs. Yeah, I mean, I, I chart all fall. I, I charted quality at bats just to give give me an idea too when I was going back or meeting with players or, or post game notes, um, you know, so that players, you know, we we may have had a player that went over two in a game, but they hit a deep sack fly to right center field that not only scored a runner from third but moved a runner out from second to third, and then boom, we get a ground ball. Uh, and we're able to score that other run. So that one sack fly enabled us to get get two runs. And that's the way teams win. And that's a goal. And that's one of the things that's really great with with softball um, is that this this is their this is their time. You know, they're not pressing to become pros. There's not a big payday at the end of it. Um, going and playing on an Olympic team. You know, they're gonna. If they do that, that's you know a month out of every year, right? And they're they're not going to make a living doing that. It's more of an honor. So they work together. The cohesiveness of a team versus baseball, where you may have four or five guys that you know, especially in the SEC, that are going to be in the top maybe three or four rounds. You know, those guys got extra pressure on themselves. They're trying to do things to make their stock rise so that they get paid right <laughs> in a couple months. So. Um, the quality of bats is 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 massive for us in, in in scoring runs, and it could be as simple as what I just said a a sacrifice fly. I mean, it, one sticks out. One of our players, um, it was late in our Garnet and Black series, and, and that was the situation. Um, she was responsible for two runs on a sack fly to right field, but uh, a deep fly ball. But not only was it a great at bat, it was it was two strikes. She had two strikes on her, and she was still able to be super duper productive. Um, with her out and we don't always get hits and we have to 
know the situations and what we're trying to accomplish. And that's something that I talk to them, I, you know, especially when we're doing inner squads or we're out there, you know, what are we trying to do here? Hey, what if we, you know, we see the situation, I'll just talk them through it from the duck out. You know, what, what's the situation here? What are we trying to do with the bat here? Um, what's our job? I don't want to have to tell you everything. If you want to put a bun down because the first baseman's playing back, do it. Like be, you know, have that kind of gamesmanship. Um, so teaching them to to learn the game on their own is, I think, really important as well. Um, but it's it's just everybody is different in, in what I'm trying to preach. Some players need to be way more aggressive. Some players need to, to get deeper into counts. Some players need to work rhythm and timing. And kind of all of that goes into, you know, a fall season. That's what we're working on. You know, we're not concerned really with with stats. People are trying to earn earn positions and whatnot. But, you know, it's really about learning the game and manufacturing runs. And what kind of team do we have? Do we have a team that can sit back and hope for a walk and then hit a ball out of the park? Um, or are we a team that we need to kind of get get infielders moving on hit and runs to create holes um, because we, maybe we don't have a ton of over-the-fence power? So, you know, trying to learn that and figure out what's the best way for us to put up, you know, six to eight runs a game. That's, that's the goal, right? That's what we're trying to accomplish And it. And some days the wind's blowing out and, and some days it's not, and we got to figure out how to be successful on both those uh, different scenarios. So quality of bats, that term or those mm-hmm. terms, right? Quality of bats, it's kind of an ambiguous type phrase and ambiguous type phraseology. Mm-hmm. What exactly are quality of bats? What are your definition of quality of bats? And what do you profess to your players about having those type of quality of bats where they can get on base and score runs? Yeah. So, I mean, a a home run is really good. So that would, that would be my favorite quality of bat, right? Maybe we get, maybe you get four points, right? One, one for each base. You get, you get four quabs as, as we call them, right? Quality of bat points that if you hit a, if you hit a home run. If you hit a home run with two people on, you get two RBIs on top of that, so you get six. Um, if you uh, move a runner over from third base with um, less than two outs, or with I'm sorry, with less, so so we get a runner at third with one one out or um, you know less than two outs. That's a that's even though you may make an out and be over one, you would that would be a quality at bat. A walk would be a quality at bat. A, maybe a seven pitch at bat that you're really battling and super competitive, that would be a quality at bat. Um, striking out would not be a quality. That would be a, like a negative. Um, not advancing a runner with less than two outs, that would be a negative. Um, really, you know, up, up a sacrifice bunt would be a quality at bat. So, um, and then, you know, like I said before, RBIs. RBIs are key. I don't care how you get that run in. RBIs, runs scored, like you can't win a game score without scoring runs, right? So every run, if you could, that you can scratch across, especially at our level, you know, in conference play is totally crucial because once conference play hits, it's you know there's not a lot of sweeps, regardless, um, and you're trying to scratch out two wins out of three, right? So um, yeah, the difference between winning a series and winning two games, and then and, and versus winning one game, it could be a run. It could be an air. It could be, um, a base running mistake, somebody that didn't tag up. Um, and, and so we spend a lot of time on trying to be clean, um, is what we call it, trying to play clean from a base running standpoint, from a quality of bat standpoint and from a defensive standpoint. 
runs are equal to or greater than hits. And that is a phrase yep. that applies to baseball, applies to softball, and it applies to an efficient offense. And I can't tell you how many games that I've watched in my lifetime, still do to this day, where a team may score five runs, but they bang out 14 hits. It's about as inefficient of an offense, even if you win. Mm-hmm. It's about as inefficient offensively as you can get, and it will catch up to you, baseball or softball, down the line. And it shows, if you have, say, five runs, 14 hits, that you maybe didn't have quality type at bats. Maybe you came through in some opportune times, but you didn't have quality at bats. And again, runs are equal to or greater than hits. If that's the case, and it is, with runs, if you have more score more runs, say five runs on, I don't know, four hits, that's an efficient inning and then it's an efficient game. And it all starts with quality at bats, in my opinion. Yeah. And and you know what? Like slugging matters. Yeah. You know, when you against good pitching, you're not gonna get four hits in an inning. It's just it's not gonna happen. Maybe you get a maybe you get a a, a walk, maybe you get a base hit, you know, maybe you get a sack fly. Boom, maybe a double. That's going to be a big inning, you know, when you get into conference play and you're facing aces. So, um, yeah, you're not going to get 14 hits a game very often, right? Two hits in, in, in softball, that's two hits an inning, which seems like nothing, right? But it's uh, it's a difficult game. The ball moves a lot. That's one of the things I've found, you know, that kind of differentiates. You know, well, there's a few that differentiates baseball and softball, but the you know, pitcher to pitcher, the the variance between up and down in baseball is usually about you know a high fastball drop about two degrees, one or two degrees, and maybe a sinker or a slider will drop, I don't know, about eight degrees, seven, maybe seven. So you're only looking at a difference of like six degrees, right? Pitch plane. Well, in softball, you know, we have a pitcher that actually goes vertical on a high pitch. She's at plus one which is crazy. Um, and then other pitches will go down nine degrees. So now all of a sudden, and she's close to that. So now you have a 10 degree difference in pitch planes. Yeah. That's really, really hard to cover. Okay. So you have to be a little bit smarter and you have to have better plans and you have to know which pitch is more hittable. And then obviously you have to have worked on hitting those different pitches um, because hitting something that's moving down at nine degrees and hitting something that is at zero degrees up, those are two completely different planes and two completely different postures. And it really starts kind of at the coconut. You know, what did Yogi say? 50% of the game is 90% mental or something like that. You know, I don't remember. I'm trying to think. Um, 90% of the game is half mental or I don't remember what he said, but you really have to be smart. To, to be successful in the box doesn't mean you have to be SAT smart. You know, you don't have to have a 1500 on your SAT, but you have to know the game and what pitchers are trying to do to you because that takes players to the next level. In fact, we have a player on our team who's been around the program for a while and she picked like 80% of pitches that our pitching, our head coach calls the pitches. She's the pitching coach. She knew every pitch that was coming. She's like, I've been here four years. I know exactly what this coach tries to do to different hitters and she just rattled them off and it was awesome. But that's a player that pays attention and doesn't just go up to the plate and swing all the time. They're invested in the game in their teammates. And when you can have players like that, it makes everybody a little bit better. Well, proper studying too, that leads to quality at bats. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
very, very. You have to put players in a position to be successful. It's we just, always talk about that. Yeah, you you just have to. Um, and and matchups are one thing, but comfort is another thing, and and giving them the information that you know, like, hey, you don't hit the pitch down very well. You know what I want you to do is really try to get under that pitch. Yeah. Well, if I put that player in that situation, like say it's a pinch hitter and she's a flat swinger and the pitcher's throwing down, throwing drops, to, I'm not, I'm not giving her, I'm not giving her a chance to be successful. Um, and that's where players, you know, that adjustability factor, um, when I'm working with players, it's like, okay, I want you to be able to swing up 10 degrees and I want you to be able to swing down five degrees. And if you can do both of those things at any time, then I know that you can get to all different pitches. And the problem is everybody is kind of grooves one swing at the, at the high school level, right? Cause they don't throw very hard and they groove one swing and they can be successful with that one swing. And then all of a sudden when everybody now is throwing 10 miles an hour harder, that one swing doesn't work with different shapes. So I love my players to be, that's why I love pepper, right? Maybe we should start a pepper league or a pepper game. I'm in. Already played like it's like just football. such a great game to learn how to control the bat, and I think that's. I think somebody posted on social media the other day. It was really good. It was something like barrel adjustment. You know, like what is a barrel adjustment? Is if you have to make a barrel adjustment, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And I thought that was a really good question. Wait, um, can you argue adjust? It's an adjustable type swing. Somebody, yeah. I mean, I would say. I, I think if you can make adjustments mid-swing, you have to. And that's a barrel adjustment, and that's why some players with really good hands can make those adjustments. So how can players study? What's the proper study plan for them that will help produce quality at-bats? I think revisiting your at-bats. I think going through, um, what did I do this weekend you know, or this week, and how were my at-bats, and how did this pitcher throw me? Um, and, and what did I do? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get a chance to maybe face that pitcher again. Um, how did she get me out? Did I let her get me out or did she just make good pitches? Um, so I think, you know, looking back, uh, reflection as a coach, you know, I will reflect pretty much every night after a game on what we, what we did well and areas we could improve upon, right. By looking at video and how did the pitcher attack us, um, were we aggressive enough or were we overly aggressive in getting, you know, chasing pitches early in the count? Did we have the wrong approach um, on a pitcher that was really pounding us in or pounding us up or, you know, wherever it is. So um, self-reflection and, and humility is, is really what makes players and coaches grow together is, you know, what can I do better next time? Even if I was successful, um, you know, what can I learn from that experience that I just sure. had? All right, well, as we wrap up episode 149, um, episode 150, we'll be talking about opening up too early, uh, episode still to be determined. But again, in 2024, we will be pumping out new content for the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast uh, page, YouTube, and of course, the audio side, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe and continue the emails. I'll collect them. And when we do our next episode, if you ask hitting questions or you have hitting points that are salient and smart, I will bring them up to uh, my friend and co-host, the um, hitting coach, softball hitting coach at the University of South Carolina, Jake Epstein. All right, um, before we get going, wrap up episode 149, do you have anything that you'd like to, um, it's like, I hate to like give you like a swan song because that's not what I'm trying to do here. That's not my intention, but like anything <laughs> you want to say 
Is there anything you want to, any final words? Now, well, any final not words? Yeah. In, in it's not our last episode. I'm just, you know. I'm just the season's to... coming up. Like, enjoy it. Watch your college softball. Watch your college baseball. Um, you know, for those kids, that's how you get better. Like, you get better by watching where you want to play and where you want to go. So um, I would say get excited for that ESPN. I know the SEC stuff, like all our conference games will be on um, probably come March when that starts. Uh, but our season starts in February and, you know, early February, February 8th is the first game. So it's right around the corner and and go to those games if you can. You know, if you have a college town near you, I don't care where you are. If you're in Davis, California, go to a UC Davis game. Um, you know, if you're in, if you're in New Jersey, you go to a Rutgers game, like it's really fun and you'll learn a lot and, and, and see kind of how that environment works. And if it's something that you want to do, um, and if it is, then work at it. Like you're not going to get better, not, not getting better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You got to throw all the time. You got to hit all the time. You got to take ground balls, find a wall, throw a ball against a wall. I'll tell you what, one of the, I can't say her name. But one of the first players I saw recruiting this fall, I saw her take a throw. She's a shortstop. I saw her take a throw. The first game I went to, went to a game. Beginning of the game, the catcher threw a ball to second base. She short hop picked it. She did something flashy with her glove. She flipped it up. She had a big smile on her face as she threw the ball to the third baseman to start the game. And I said, I want to continue to watch that. That's what I want to see. She moved the right way. And you know how you move the right way? By throwing a ball up against the wall constantly and learning how to pick it. Pick it mm-hmm. pick it with a backhand. Pick it with a forehand. I mean, you can do so much learning how to move the right way. And if that's how you want to get noticed, like if you do want to get noticed, you got to move that way. So watch the best players. Move like the best players. Copy this best players. And you'll start catching our eye. Also, I have have read your biography. I was just curious on the um, on the South Carolina softball page, and you, there's no mention of the Lab Epstein hitting podcast on there. I didn't write it. I didn't write. What it. What do you mean you didn't write it? What do they? What do they? What is it? Just they, AI? They, just you know, sports information. They dig deep. Well, I might have to email that sports info. I, I I I'll pull him right up, and I'm sure he's great at what he does. I might have to email him and say, hey, if you don't mind. Well, there's some good info. We don't want to give away all the secrets, though. Well, no, we're not. No, I don't want to give away all the secrets. We've only done 149 episodes. It's on video and audio. <laughs> we want to keep it now. We just want all that content's out there. Now we want to try to keep it from everybody. It's That's good. it. That's right. Now we're going to lock it up, baby. <laughs> Opposite marketing strategy. All right. Um, good stuff. Well, oh, by the way, I want to say this, too. And, I, and really quick, I want to I just if you want to comment on this, I thought about this the other day. I was going back through in my head of, of the year that went by. Right. 2023. It was a very short year, but it was a very long year. And I mean that both ways positively. And I thought, well, why is it long? Well, this happened here. This happened here. This happened. here, And I just thought of points throughout the year that happened that really stuck out to me. There was a lot, too. And it got me thinking, man, it's been a long year, but it's been a good year. So. My point is, if as an athlete, and this is, I think this goes for everybody, but we're talking here, athletes and, and softball players, baseball players, and, and the season's very long. Baseball, softball, it's six months. Collegiate level, it's sometimes it's nine months, right? I mean, September to you know June, whatever. It's a long, long year, long, long season. And I think that if, if it goes by very quickly, it means you haven't accomplished anything. But if it goes by quickly and you can look back at certain points, and you feel like, man, it's been kind of a long year or this happened, this happened, this happened, it means you made progress. And I think athletes going forward in 2024 
baseball, softball players should remember that. You do. And sometimes you need to st- step back and take a breath and, yeah. and, and kind of look from afar because it is. Everything rolls into the next week. You play here, then you got a midweek, and then you got a series, and then you got this, and then you got another one, and then it's season's over, and then you go recruiting and this and that. Sometimes you got to self, like I said, you got to reflect on, you know, what happened. I love diaries, right? You can reflect on, you know, what happened last week, right? This was a good week, right? This is what we accomplished. But if you don't, you just roll through it. Then all of a sudden, maybe you get to the end of the year and your team's not hot or you're not swinging the bat as well. And it's like, hey, a month ago, remember how good you felt? You have to be able to go back to how you felt and what you were working on and maybe what you were eating, right? What was your pregame meal that week that put you in that really comfortable place? Because there's always ebbs and flows in the season. Um, And you really have to take a step and look at the positive and be able to grow from that. Yeah. So I think everybody should uh, heed our advice if you're an athlete baseball or if you're a parent of an athlete. Yeah. And try maybe profess that to your parents or to your kids if your parents of an athlete going forward. All right. Good stuff today. Episode 49. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. Again, email us, jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com. Take care. Thank you, everybody, for listening, watching, and we will talk to you soon.